Hello, welcome to the Charm Studio podcast. We're located over in the internet ethers at www.thecharmstudio.com. This is a podcast and a post that I invented to, out of frustration with art biz advice and art biz gurus telling me all I had to focus on was sales funnels and things like that that make me nauseous. So if those kind of things are something you're tired of, this is a good podcast for you because the Charm Studio was founded for heart-centered artists like you who want to write better, who want to feel better, who want to sell better, but only if you get to be yourself. Today, I want to talk to you about another one of my bizarre topics, which is, do you want an art residency? Great. Don't apply for one. This is the result of... Um, and some interviews that I did that really shocked me. So let's get right into it. This will be a good podcast for you if you've ever dreamt about expanding your practice, expanding your um, imagination, but also good practice just in general. Even if you never wanted an artist residency, I think this is a good podcast for artists to learn about uh, a principle from the treasure of Sierra Madre, which I'll get to at the end, but it's about rebellion. It's a principle about doing what you want to do instead of what everybody tells you to do. So if you're prone to have authority problems like I do, stick around because I think this podcast will help you in your art practice. So let's get started. How to land your art residency. It's 11 surprising tips for um, just heart-centered artists. I don't think this will necessarily work if you're more of a business-oriented artist. So I started out in this podcast was supposed to be normal. I wanted to give you a podcast about normal, normal, normal about, hey, how to land your dream artist residency. But as usual in my life, something went weird <laughs> and something eye-opening occurred instead. And it happened like this. I started by sending out questionnaires to artists I knew I'd known uh, colleagues of mine subscribers of mine artist coach artist coaching clients of mine who'd landed these life-changing residencies in the past and told me about it so that's not weird right but as soon as I got the questionnaires back the weird began answers especially to question number six made my jaw fall open and question number six read Quote, what gave you the courage to fill out the application for your artist residency in the first place? End quote. So all the artists that I asked <laughs> responded to the question with strange answers like, Thea, you know, I wish I could give other artists advice, but I never use applications to get a residency. Or, you know, Thea, I usually apply for residencies and I don't get them. And this one time I didn't apply and I tried this other crazy, wonderful thing and great stuff happened instead. Um, it just turned out that none of the artists I'd asked, none of them had sent in an application. None, none, none. And the artists also didn't do a bunch of other things that art business gurus insist we have to do to land things like residencies and, you know, grants, museum shows, all that stuff. We're supposed to do a certain set number of things, which involves giant resume stuff. And these people didn't do any of that. So how the heck did all of these artists that I know win these residencies? And how can you do the same? And this podcast is going to tell you all of it, everything, all the secrets. But I wanted to share three short, wild stories about the artists that I've interviewed themselves so you could hear their actual tale. And then I'm going to bust out those 11 tips for you to consider if you want to land or create your own dream artist residency or a writer's residency, by the way, this would apply for that as well. So if you're ready to shred those applications and use them to make killer paper mache pinatas, 
follow me. There's three artists, three dreams, zero applications. The first artist is ceramic artist and Charm Studio subscriber Olina Ellis. She landed her dream residency at the Beatrice Wood Center for the Arts without an application. What's more, she used none of the following art biz guru recommended stuff either. By that I mean, Olina didn't have a mega social media presence. She didn't have a vast mailing list. She didn't have a brand strategy. She didn't have a quote unquote platform. And she didn't have some snazzy $17,000, you know, some of these websites now, designer websites are like between, I, I read the statistics, seventeen dollars to $120,000 average for a designer website for artists. So she didn't have that. And as a matter of fact, at the time, this is the wild thing. Alina did not even have a website. So she still got the gig. I'd say put that in your pipe and smoke it, art biz gurus. <laughs> so what the heck did Olina do to land a residency that transformed her life and transformed her art practice? Well, here are five things I can think of right off the bat that she did that were unconventional. First, she were well, this is un she worked diligently leading up to the residency to begin a living, breathing body of work. But she had not been, what's unconventional about it is she had not been a ceramic artist for a giant amount of time. So she was starting to experiment with ceramics and that's why she loved Beatrice Wood as one of her art heroes because Beatrice Wood has a really unconventional, you know, approach about art school and everything. And she just was kind of be, lived to be free and did what she wanted to do and experimented boldly and bravely. So the first thing Olina did was she did work diligently in ceramics, but it sure hadn't been for um, a long time. So that should be encouraging for you guys if any of you are new and starting out or younger or older and have reinvented yourself lately, that there's plenty of room for people like that. Second, Olina decided she wanted a residency somewhere she could shine, but only if she could shine there by being her absolute, honest, authentic self. And doesn't that sound like something we'd all want to do as well? I do. Third, Ellis recognized the Beatrice Wood Center as a magical, vibrant place she was in alignment with ethically and creatively. And if you want to read more on Beatrice, I'm going to leave you some uh, posts I've done on her in the show notes and podcasts I've done on her in the show notes. She's a big art hero of mine. Fourth, Olina did more than her homework and she researched what the art center might want in an artist in residence. That's really important. Fifth, Olina did the most important thing. She summoned up the gorgeous courage that it takes to pick up the phone and she actually ended up in a series of uh, calls, actually ended up talking to the director and I'll get back to that in a second. Picking up the phone is priceless, okay guys? Why did Olina call instead of emailing? Well, as she told me, the Beatrice Wood Center for the Arts mentioned internships on their website, but nothing there about artisan residency programs, Alina told me. So Alina, who lives in Alaska, just went for it. She called to ask if they could consider her for a residency. And um, that was her plan, but nobody answered the phone, so she left a message. And then the director, Kevin Wallace, who's a wonderful guy, called her back. And Alina then told me, Kevin and I talked for a bit. He felt comfortable enough with me to set up a more extensive phone interview the next week. And after that call, he asked me to email him images of my work, which I did. And before long, he wrote me to tell me I got the residency. Olina was over the moon because she knew it was 
just going to be a real culmination of, of a dream. And before she knew it, she was also over the Pacific Ocean in a plane flying from Alaska to California to change her life. So you can do this too. The moral of the story here is if you've done your homework, consider being brave and calling. A lot of wild things happen when you call. I want to add as a tangential side note here that a lot of these smaller centers, um, museums, etc., Directors often, in this case it didn't happen, but in a lot of cases the director may even answer the phone because there's not like five million minions running about the place there, like there would be at the Smithsonian. Some of these places, if you call, you will talk to exactly who you need to talk to right away. It's ironic and wonderful. Okay, so let's get back to the idea that she did her homework. What do I mean by homework? Well, when Alina picked up the phone that day, she already knew a lot about the Beatrice Wood Center. She had studied that website, and you, need, you guys need to do that too. You need to look at the mission of the museum or the institution, the park, whatever. And she knew even more about Beatrice Wood. She knew more about her life and her work. And because it's not rocket science, she knew this because it wasn't like a strategic art biz plan. Beatrice Wood was an art hero of Alina's from way back. And this brings me to a question that I have for you, the big kahuna question to ask yourself if you want to land your dream artist residency. You ready? And it's this. Who is your biggest art hero? That's it. Whose shows do you never miss? Like, who have you devoured a couple of biographies on in the past? I want you to think about why. Why have you read them? Now, if you really want to dramatically increase your odds of landing a dream artist reticency, I want you to ask yourself, does your artist or writer hero have a home museum? Do they have a library? Do they have a study center? If their home hasn't been preserved, as many artists in America have not, if you're listening to this overseas, there's a really greater chance in Europe of a, uh, a lot of different artists' homes have, and writers' homes have been really beautifully preserved. But if you're in the States, Let's say my favorite artist uh, that I would love to have a residency with is Joseph Cornell. His house is not intact, not a museum. Uh, but his study center and all his papers are located in Washington, D.C. Uh, so you can do your research and see where is their stuff if they're, uh, and have an internship around where their papers and objects reside. That's also an idea. So where is it? And do you already know someone who's worked at that center or that historic site or that state park who can give you the lay of the land? Okay? That always helps. It's amazing how many people heart-centered artists know and how many people you guys have already helped that really love to help you back. So can you imagine yourself creating art at your dream residency? I want you to just imagine what it would feel like to be there. What are you making? What are you doing? What are you learning? What are you passing on to other people maybe? What are people passing on to you? Alina told me a little bit about her artist residency and she said that my first three days at the Beatrice Wood Center of the Arts were spent alone in Beato's studio. People that know Beatrice tend to call her Beato. She's, uh, Alina said, I say I spent three days alone there but anyone who's been in that studio can tell you you're never alone there because Beatrice Wood's presence is all around you, end quote. Beatrice Wood lived to be, I think, almost 103 years old, um, but she's she's gone now. But I have visited that studio myself, and it is so wonderful. Presence is totally right in there. So if you ever get to Ojai, California, you should look up the center and ask for a tour. It's it's so inspiring. 
because she was such a renegade. Alina sat at Beatrice Wood's desk. Can you imagine sitting at your hero's desk? She fired at Beatrice Wood inside of her kiln. Like for ceramic artists, can you imagine firing inside the kiln of your biggest hero? And she placed a beautiful vase of sunflowers on a little altar that's permanently present in the studio for Beatrice. And I have uh, images of all these kind of things over at the blog, and I'll put the link to the to the blog so you can see these images in the show notes. So I asked Alina why she thought Kevin Wallace, the director, chose her, even though she didn't have all these bells and whistles that art biz gurus tell us we have to have to be chosen. And Alina told me, you know, only Kevin knows for sure, but I think he recognized that my intentions were genuine, that I wanted to land the residency to transform my art, not my resume. Do you know he even helped me, she said, set up my website during the residency. I think he understood that I cared deeply about Beatrice Wood. Kevin knew I wanted to add to Wood's legacy if I could not take advantage of it, end quote. I think that's wonderful. The whole thing about by choosing to be our most authentic and loving self, we leave this total trail of of magic everywhere we go. That's a quote by Emmanuel. So Alina was mentored by Kevin and other great members at the center staff, and she mentored others there as well. But one good point I want to mention is that residencies involve both mentorships and collaboration. So can you think about a collaborative residency instead of just getting mentored at a residency or mentoring others? What if there's some sort of really creative give and take you set up? Well, Feather Artist and Charm Studio subscriber Chris Maynard opened my mind to the notion of a collaborative residency that has no application required either. So Chris Maynard was invited to a Costa Rica for a five-week residency by an admirer of his work, collector of his work, in the fertile mountains of, of this biological reserve where bird lovers would come as tourists to be guided on these great hikes. And Maynard told me, I've never applied for any of my art residencies. He's had a bunch. And he said, I just brainstormed, I collaborated, I arranged them all through existing contacts I had with artists, with museums, with staff, with naturalists, or just with friends or colleagues, collectors I've met along the way. End quote. So in the Costa Rican residency, Maynard spent half his time getting to know the forest and half his time working with this local art school program and another program, which was a local women's art collective. Interestingly, Maynard said to me, we collaborated and I decided I wouldn't work with the women artists in the collective on how to make the art, but on the business of art, which is, end quote, which I think is so cool because Chris is great at the business of art. And so it was such a win-win for them. And those women were great at the making of their own art. So he helped them with what they needed. So five weeks in Costa Rica and it turned out to be this wonderful thing. And it sounds so dreamy, right? It sounds so exotic. But I really learned from my interviews that as far as art residencies are concerned, small and local can be just as meaningful as big and far away, okay? So I want you guys to consider how about a lovely local art residency? Your first dream residency or your 35th dream residency doesn't have to occur in another country. It doesn't even have to occur in another state. It can occur in your own county, Uh, as we say in America, (laughs) you may find a magical opportunity right in your own backyard. And that's what happened to Virginia painter and Charm Studio subscriber Barbara Powderly. I have images of her work and Chris's work and Alina's work, which is all wonderful. 
in a in the show notes you can uh, jump on over and see it Powderly had applied for a really competitive art residency in her big dream place, which was Shenandoah National Park. And she, like thousand other artists, didn't land that coveted position. And of course, logically, she was bummed out. She was a bit disheartened. But however, later in the year, she had this bright idea to try for a residency closer to home. So she had this local networking group that she attended. And she easily, from them, they easily just gave her the email and address of the director of a local park in her county that's lovely, little gem called Lake Anna State Park. And Powderly had been plein air painting there for years because, you know, it was was something, a place she knew inside and out. So Barbara mentioned to the director that she was looking for an artist residency in the park. He emailed his park's communication director right away. They loved her work. And together, they created her first artist residency so quickly, no application required. Barbara told me, quote, I've always been a person who waited for permission and stood in line. And it never occurred to me that I could just start something on my own. It's so freeing, and I encourage other artists to get creative and not apply either, end quote. Okay. You've done it. We've covered a lot of ground here. I want to bring it all home and conclude with a short summary of 11 do's and don'ts for landing your dream artist residency. I want you guys to really believe in yourself and believe this is possible and check these out. So number one, do some personal reflection. Do some journal work on a few places you'd want a residency. Don't forget to write about what you might bring to the table in return. Okay. Number two, Don't worry about selecting a place that'll serve your art career. That's what you're always told by people, I know. And I used to write for Professional Artist Magazine, and I've even written articles about that and read articles about that. This is all for your art career. But don't pick a place that's going to serve your art career. Pick a place that'll serve your art practice. That's going to serve your art career more anyway, because if you become a better artist, if you become an inspired artist, you don't have to worry nearly as much about your career. I think that our careers suffer and our art suffers when we get pinned down and pressured by all this uh, additional to-do list about spray and pray marketing. But that's a tangent for another day. I will rein myself in. (laughs) Number three, do research places dedicated to your art heroes, okay? Make a list. But don't pick a place, number four, dedicated to your art hero if that place insists that you leap through bureaucratic rings of fire and send in a giant, like, snore-inducing resume. So if you love Van Gogh and let's say there's just these major institutions dedicated to him, I would go pick someplace else, pick a Van Gogh place that is like maybe a small house where he stayed or something like that as opposed to the major... um, you know, Metropolitan Museum of Art, you know, or Van Gogh would just be really tough to get a residency with in particular, probably. And you could just find smaller, lesser known artists uh, and try them. But you never know. You know, I could say Van Gogh would be difficult. And, and I hope next week somebody proves me wrong. It gets a residency connected with Van Gogh. Uh, I have a lot of subscribers in Holland. So please let me know if that's you, if that happens with you. Uh, keep your possibilities open. Don't let me narrow down the prospects. Let's hit number five, which is if you hit a snag, please don't give up. Just pick the next hero on your list and research them, okay? Number six, don't forget to consider tiny museums, art centers, tiny libraries you love. Small is beautiful too. 
Number seven, if possible, do physically visit the place and say nothing. Just don't introduce yourself. Don't freak out. Just observe if these are the kind of people you want to help and be helped by. And in essence, you're going to audition them instead of having them audition you. This is a great technique, you know. See if it's where you want to be and value yourself, okay? And then number eight, be like Olena and do pick up the phone, okay, when you're ready. Try to be your beautiful, curious, authentic self. And if nobody answers, leave a message. Number nine, I know that's terrifying. You might get rejected and I want you to do it anyway. That's the to-do is do it anyway. Because as a mentor of mine, Steve Chandler says, he's a coach for coaches. He says, yes lives in the land of no. Yes lives in the land of no. You have to go through all these no's and receive no's. But that means you're really close and you're in the land of no and that's where yes lives. You can't get a yes unless you pass through your no's. Number 10, tip number 10. You've seen three examples today in the podcast here of artists who've employed courage and creativity and fun to create amazing residencies. So please do the same. Do use your giant imagination and you'll be next. My, my subscribers and my listeners are so creative and you guys have much better ideas than I would on this on how you should do this. So I can't wait to see what you come up with. The last tip, number 11, is exotic and far off is great, right? It would be great to, you know, go to other countries, other far off cities, you know, Taipei, wherever. But as Nigerian poet Ben Okri wrote in his poem, don't neglect the gold in your own backyard, okay? So I, I lied. I have one last tip, and that is to make your own artist residency. I think it's the most important tip I have. You don't have to wait to be chosen. You can choose yourself. If you feel like a sheep, like milling about in a pasture full of countless other artist sheep, and you're just feeling like you're waiting to be singled out by some museum or some writer's workshop, why not do this? Make your own darn artist residency. No outside institution required. Even artsy.com, pretty institutional, you know, uh, but informative site says, Quote, remember, you can always start your own thing. Collectives can pool resources to support informal residencies, and there's a wide world of opportunities beyond what you can officially apply for, end quote. So my suggestion is fly solo, do it yourself. That's what I would do being a hermit type. Or if you are more social, you can get together a bunch of like-minded women, like-minded men and rent inexpensive cabins someplace beautiful in the high desert, in the mountains, in um, a city, wherever you want to go, someplace that you find in exciting, enlivening, and to write or paint there for a week or two, or as one of my subscribers, Kristen, did, she went off for a few months on a bicycle trip with her partner just to do um, painting in, in France. So it's, you know, a lot of you guys are in your 50s and 60s, and you've saved up a lot of money over time, and you can afford... Um, a certain period of time for a little bit of a splurge that'll change your painting life. And I think that's very well worth it. And there's lots of ways to do it super economically. Okay, so my last uh, bit of advice is, you know, not from all these hoity-toity museums or anything. It's from um, probably your dad, my dad's favorite movie, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. <laughs> and there's that quote, badges. We don't need, we ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. So I don't know if you guys remember that film, but 
I love that idea that now it's your turn. You don't need any badges. You don't need any um, resumes. You really can do this from your heart and connect with somebody else's heart. And your experience is really valuable and it will serve others. And just remember that. I would love to know in the comments on the post itself, I'm going to leave a link if you've ever done an artist's reticency. Um, would you like to? Where would it be? I'd love to know. If you need any help and you're writing a book, um, you can always check with me. Uh, or if you're redoing your website and you need a, a coach, I'm usually pretty booked up lately, but once in a while I do have an opening and you can always check in at www.thecharmstudio.com slash writing coaching for artists. And I want to end with a quote uh, by Franz Kafka in that vein. He said, a book must be the axe for the frozen sea within us. Kafka. I love that. That, And a website can be the axe for the frozen sea within you too. That you can, your website can be so original and speak to your passion so directly and therefore speak to a bunch of other people's passion and really help to elevate them. So I encourage you guys, if you're considering a website to be as radical and as possible and go with what the website you would do if no one was watching or the book you would write if no one was watching instead of doing something you think is going to win uh, fans and approval. Uh, my experience has been when you do the thing that you really want to do and you're really passionate about is when people come to you and jump aboard your shiny uh, Vardo to see what you're up to. Okay, stay confident. Believe in yourself. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.